Good morning, and welcome to Morning Prayer, a combination of liturgy from the Book of Common Prayer, Morning Prayer Rite 2, and Enriching Our Worship Supplemental Liturgical Materials, uh, Volume 1. I'm your host, Jaka. I'm going to shorten the usual disclaimer to just say I'm a regular person, um, no special qualifications here. I do really appreciate your joining me this morning or whenever it is for you um, in the timelessness of common prayer. Today is the 8th of May, and on that day, we remember Julian of Norwich. Although we don't have um, special readings for her. So the readings today are Psalm 38, Daniel 5, 1 through 12, 1 John 5, 1 through 12, and Luke 4, 38 through 44. We begin in Enriching Our Worship 1 on page 18. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. We'll continue with the confession of sin, and I'm going to skip back to the Book of Common Prayer because I think there are some communal aspects of this particular invitation to confession that would do us good right now. Page 79. Dearly beloved, we have come together in the presence of Almighty God to set forth God's praise, to hear God's holy word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others those things that are necessary for our life and our salvation, and so that we and so that we may prepare ourselves in heart and mind to worship God, let us kneel in silence and with penitent and obedient hearts confess our sins, that we may obtain forgiveness by God's in, infinite goodness and mercy. Most merciful God. We confess that we have sinned against you, opposing your will in our lives. We have denied your goodness in each other, in ourselves, and in the world you have created. We repent of the evil that enslaves us, the evil that we have done, and the evil done on our behalf. Forgive, restore, and strengthen us through our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we may abide in your love and serve only your will. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through the grace of Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. O God, let our mouth proclaim your praise and your glory all the day long. Alleluia, Christ is risen. O come, let us worship. Alleluia. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before God's presence with thanksgiving and raise to the Lord a shout with psalms. For you are a great God. You are great above all gods. In your hand are the caverns of the earth, and the heights of the hills are yours also. The sea is yours, for you made it and your hands have molded the dry land. 
Come, let us bow down and bend the knee and kneel before the Lord our Maker. For you are our God, and we are the people of your pasture and the sheep of your hand. Oh, that today we would hearken to your voice. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Oh, come, let us worship. Alleluia. Psalm 38. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. For your arrows have sunk into me and your hand has come down on me. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head. They weigh like a burden too heavy for me. My wounds grow foul and fester because of my foolishness. I am utterly bowed down and prostrate. All day long I go around mourning, for my loins are filled with burning, and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am utterly spent and crushed. I groan because of the tumult of my heart. O Lord, all my longing is known to you. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart throbs, my strength fails me. As for the light of my eyes, it also has gone from me. My friends and companions stand aloof from my affliction and my neighbors stand far off. Those who seek my life lay their snares. Those who seek to hurt me speak of ruin and meditate treachery all day long. But I am like the deaf, I do not hear, like the mute, who cannot speak. Truly, I am like one who does not hear and in whose mouth is no retort. But it is for you, O Lord, that I wait. It is you, O Lord, my God, who will answer. For I pray, only do not let them rejoice over me, those who boast against me when my foot slips. For I am ready to fall and my pain is ever with me. I confess my iniquity. I am sorry for my sin. Those who are my foes without cause are mighty, and many are those who hate me wrongfully. Those who render me evil for good are my adversaries, because I follow after good. Do not forsake me, O Lord. O my God, do not be far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Alleluia. A reading from Daniel. King Belshazzar made a great festival for a thousand of his lords, and he was drinking wine in the presence of the thousand. Under the influence of the wine, Belshazzar commanded that they bring in the vessels of gold and silver that his father, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem, so that the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the vessels of gold and silver that had been taken out of the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. They drank the wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone, Immediately the fingers of a human hand appeared and began writing on the plaster of the wall of the royal palace next to the lampstand. 
The king was watching the hand as it wrote. Then the king's face turned pale and his thoughts terrified him. His limbs gave way and his knees knocked together. The king cried aloud to bring in the enchanters, the Chaldeans and the diviners. And the king said to the wise men of Babylon, whoever can read this writing and tell me its interpretation shall be clothed in purple, have a chain of gold around his neck and rank third in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or tell the king the interpretation. Then King Belshazzar became greatly terrified, and his face turned pale, and his lords were perplexed. The queen, when she heard the discussion of the king and his lords, came into the banqueting hall. The queen said, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts terrify you or your face grow pale. There is a man in your kingdom who is endowed with the spirit of the holy gods. In the days of your father, he was found to have enlightenment, understanding, and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods. Your father, King Nebuchadnezzar, made him chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, and diviners, because an excellent spirit, knowledge, and understanding to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle H, found on page 34 of Enriching Our Worship. A Song of Hosea. Come, let us return to our God, who has torn us and will heal us. God has struck us and will bind up our wounds. After two days, revive us. On the third day, restore us, that in God's presence we may live. Let us humble ourselves. Let us strive to know the Lord, whose justice dawns like morning light, its dawning as sure as the sunrise. God's justice will come to us like a shower, like spring rains that water the earth. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from 1 John. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the parent loves the child. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commandments. For the love of God is this, that we obey his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome, for whatever is born of God conquers the world, and this is the victory that conquers the world, our faith. Who is it that conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not with the water only, but with the water and the blood, and the Spirit is the one that testifies for the Spirit is the truth. There are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive human testimony, the testimony of God is greater, for this is the testimony of God that he has testified to his Son. Those who believe in the Son of God have the testimony in their hearts. Those who do not believe in God have made him a liar by not believing in the testimony that God has given concerning his Son. And this is the testimony, 
God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle S, a song of our true nature, which incidentally was written by Julian of Norwich, whom we remember today. Christ revealed our frailty and our falling, our trespasses and our humiliations. Christ also revealed his blessed power, his blessed wisdom and love. He protects us as tenderly and as sweetly when we are in greatest need. He raises us in spirit and turns everything to glory and joy without ending. God is the ground and the substance, the very essence of nature. God is the true father and mother of natures. We are all bound to God by nature, and we are all bound to God by grace. And this grace is for all the world, because it is our precious mother, Christ. For this fair nature was prepared by Christ for the honor and nobility of all, and for the joy and bliss of salvation. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Praise to you, Lord Christ. After leaving the synagogue, he entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked him about her. Then he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. Immediately she got up and began to serve them. As the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various kinds of diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on each of them and cured them. Demons also came out of many, shouting, You are the Son of God! But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Messiah. At daybreak, he departed and went into a deserted place, and the crowds were looking for him. And when they reached him, they wanted to prevent him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. So he continued proclaiming the message in the synagogues of Judea. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let us affirm our faith together with the Apostles' Creed, found on page 96 of the Book of Common Prayer. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you and also with you. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, 
Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We will pray the suffrages on page 42 of Enriching Our Worship. Help us, O God our Savior, deliver us and forgive us our sins. Look upon your congregation, give to your people the blessing of peace, declare your glory among the nations, and your wonders among all peoples. Do not let the oppressed be shamed and turned away. Never forget the lives of your poor. Continue your loving kindness to those who know you, and your favor to those who are true of heart. Satisfy us by your loving kindness in the morning. So shall we rejoice and be glad all the days of our life. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. O God, the King Eternal, whose light divides the day from the night and turns the shadow of death into the morning, drive far from us all wrong desires, incline our hearts to keep your law, and guide our feet into the way of peace, that having done your will with cheerfulness during the day, we may, when night comes, rejoice to give you thanks. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty and everlasting God, by whose spirit the whole body of your faithful people is governed and sanctified, receive our supplications and prayers, which we offer before you, for all members of your holy church, that in their vocation and ministry they may truly and devoutly serve you, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Now is our time for personal prayers and um, where I usually share my thoughts on our readings. Today is a day that we remember Julian of Norwich, so I'm going to read for you an excerpt from Planning for Rites and Rituals, a resource for Episcopal worship, which is a, um, a book that goes by year, so this is year C, 2018 to 2019. Dame Julian of Norwich, 1417, it's about when she was born. Little is known of Julian's life. Born about, oh, excuse me, she died about 1417, or maybe that was when she was sainted. At any rate, she was born about 1342. The only writing of hers we have is Revelations of Divine Love, the description of her showings or visions which she experienced after an illness when she was 30. Prior to her illness, Julian had desired three gifts from God, the mind of his passion, bodily sickness in youth, and three wounds of contrition, of compassion, of willful longing toward God. Although she forgot about the first two until after her illness, the third was always with her. After recovering, she became an anchorite at Norwich, living alone in a hut attached to the church of St. Julian, hence her name, and gaining, and gaining fame as a mystic. Julian was a 
in my opinion, a wise woman and her writings are still very, very true today and they form the foundation as do I think many great saints, a foundation for theological expression that came after. So a lot grew out of Dame Julian of Norwich and I personally am very thankful for her, for her message of love and her description both in prose and poetry of what that looks like are very meaningful. We read a canticle of hers or attributed to her earlier in our prayer time today and it made me think about Julian and her three asks, right? And it's pretty amazing that she asked for sickness in order to draw closer to God. That's like the ultimate upside down prayer, right? How, how amazing is that? And how can we then apply that in our own lives? So I'm not saying that we should wish for illness to befall us, but certainly at least we can pray that the illness that befalls us, because I don't think anyone walks through this life having never experienced illness of some sort, of spirit, soul, or body, heart, mind, or will, draw us closer to God. That is, I had a great opportunity um, because of a misunderstanding to get some clarity or express some clarity is probably the better way to put that on my quote unquote bottom line. My bottom line, praise God, is mine and mine alone, and I own this as the focus, to reference the last time that we prayed together, the focus of all of my decisions. So my bottom line isn't about finances. Um, it's not about, well, instead of saying what's not about, let me just tell you what it is. My bottom line is, does it draw me closer to God? And I honestly believe that if the answer is yes, the rest of it will fall into place. And that's huge for me because Throughout most of my life, I made decisions from a place of scarcity and fear and making decisions based from a place of trust and love is a victory for me. So I find Julian very inspiring in her upside down prayer because I think it comes from a place of trust and love trust in God and the godly agape love more than that the deep love that we have with and for God and from God that should be the model for all other relationships all other loves 
Thank you, Dame Julian of Norwich, for leaving us so much and for continuing to inspire us. Amen. So let's talk about the readings. So Psalm 38, this is like a confession psalm. And it's interesting to me that the introduction, you know, the little um, prescript, calls this a psalm of David for the memorial offering. And according to my commentary, we're not really sure what that means. I think that the psalmist remembers the occasion of his sin, the offering up of that sin and its corresponding repentance to God for God's transformative power. And that is the memorialization. So we memorialize How do I say this? It's not that we're memorializing our sin, but we're memorializing the relationship, the forgiveness relationship with God and God's transformative power over sin. And we remind ourselves of where we have been so that we can reap the blessings wrapped in that unlikely package. Maybe that's the best way to say it. I hope you know what I mean, even though I'm not expressing myself entirely clearly. The psalmist owns his sin in this one. There are others where the psalmist um, profess their innocence, but in this one, the psalmist owns his sin and he is sorry and he begs God and he asks God in verse 22, make haste to help me, God, my salvation. This is what I, I feel is important about this psalm today. And I'm putting in mind of this because it's come up in a couple different places. So you guys know that like, if I get the same message from more than one source, I'm like, hmm, my radar is up, I am attuned, I think there is something that I should listen to here. So the message that I've been receiving in different ways from different sources is that healthy expression of anguish can be holy. Our Christian culture sometimes teaches us that like if we really have faith then we're going to just be cheerful about it like no matter what it is no matter how horrible it is we're just going to be all upbeat and looking to God and anything less is or anything other I shouldn't say less anything other is weak faith or like not trusting God and I think that that's untrue. I think that, man, I think that's a lie. I think that's a lie that our Christian culture has fed us, and I think we need to break free from it. I think an authentic expression of anguish, whether it be grief or repentance, 
over something of our own making or something that has you know, happened and is totally out of our control is, is holy. And that that pouring out and then lifting up to God is an important part of the healing cycle. And I think that the psalmist here teaches us or illuminates that for us. Speaking of repentance and a different kind of fear, our reading from Daniel, man, this, this one fascinates me. First of all, because I love it when a common secular euphemism, maybe euphemism is the wrong word, expression, is found, I find its source in the Bible. I just think that's really fascinating how there's all this stuff that we incorporated in the secular culture and people don't even know that it comes from the Bible. I just think that's kind of cool. So a few things here. One is under the influence of the wine. How many times have we done things under the influence? Well, I shouldn't say that. I have done things under the influence of alcohol. It is known to be a remover of inhibitors, right? Which isn't a good thing. So right away, I'm like, yeah, got commonality there. And then this is very interesting that these are sacred vessels that were taken out of the temple by his father. So I see here an example of where a sinful practice was passed down one from, from one generation to another. I think that's important to note. I don't believe in generational sin in the way that some of our faith traditions think about it. Like, for example, I personally do not believe that babies are born into the world literally bearing the sins of their parents. I do believe that there are unhealthy and sinful behavior patterns, um, familial cultures that are passed down. And so metaphorically speaking, I do believe that children can be born into an environment where they're being taught something that's not of God. So that in a way is them inheriting sin, but I don't want to digress too far. Verse five, think immediately the fingers of a human hand appeared and began writing on the plaster of the wall, the writing on the wall. God, give us eyes to see. This is another warning. We talked about warnings and dreams. Um, maybe it was yesterday at, within a few days uh, ago anyway. And then, um, the queen, and I think this is probably the queen mother as opposed to the king's wife, says in verse 11, there is a man in your kingdom who is endowed with the spirit of the holy gods. How interesting. I'm pretty sure, and I, I didn't do the fact checking on this, but I'm pretty sure that the queen mother's gods and Daniel's God, our God, are not the same God, but she recognizes the godly gift in Daniel. And I think this is important because there are so many times that we dismiss someone's discernment because they are not of our faith or even just not of our faith tradition. And I think we need to stop doing that. I think we need to look with eyes right open because we are all children of God and even people that don't worship or believe like we do have the ability to discern truth. God gives them or can give them eyes to see. And so even though she doesn't know 
our God's name, she knows that Daniel has godly gifting, that he's in touch with the Holy Spirit, even though she's not calling it that. And I think that that's an important reminder for us today. And then the other thing is this whole reminder that Daniel was renamed Belteshar. And man, that just was a reminder for me that the name that I want to be called is the name that Christ gave me, the name that he's written on his palm. That's the name that I want. Not entirely related to this particular passage, but the naming bit triggered that. All right, our New Testament reading. I don't really have an awesome connection going from the old to the new. But um, here we are in 1 John. So we're still talking about hallmarks, as my commentary says it, of the Johannine community, which are belief in Jesus, again, according to the commentary, belief in Jesus as the Messiah and mutual love. And I think that's important that we take it at face value that this is this is the way the community define themselves and that is absolutely true and valid I think where we don't want to take it is some sort of restrictive this is how I know that I'm in you and you're out thing which I think unfortunately um, has been done in the past and you put all these like, this is how you tell that someone truly believes in Jesus. You've got to say this specific prayer. I don't, I really don't think that's the case. I think it's much more important that we latch on to hear faith and love. And I absolutely agree. Like I was talking about before with, Claiming the victory in Christ and the transformation that I've personally had, that I'm coming from, praise God, with God's help, a place of trust in God and love, as opposed to a place of fear and scarcity. And I think that's what First John is saying here, that this community is supposed to be coming from a place of faith and love, not this other stuff that has started to grow up and gunk up and get in the way. We need to clear that out and get back to the basics, faith and love. That's the message that I get from that. And I think it's a message that is relevant and we should take to heart today. And I think... The writer goes on to say, don't take my word for it. There, there's the Holy Spirit, there's the water, there's the blood. These three are in agreement. This is another test and discernment. He's saying, look, I get it. It's really confusing right now. There's a lot of dissension. Here's, here's what I'm, I'm all about. Here's what I believe this community is all about. Here's what I, what I think we need to get back to and, and, and like test me out. Lift up my words, test them out. Which again, I think is applicable for us today. I think that we ought to really 
dig into and look twice at anybody that wants us to just trust them and not investigate. And this actually, this came up for me at work um, where there was, um, I'm just going to say, there, there was some hot-tempered hot discussion and uh, one gentleman that I work with said to the other gentleman, you just need to trust me. You need to not ask me to test the theory. Just trust me that it's going to work. Well, sure enough, when real-world events cause the theory to be tested, it didn't work. I think anybody that says, you can't test me, you got to, that, that's not the kind of trust I'm talking about. I am talking about trust in the Lord, and I think we ought to look twice at anybody that wants us to place unquestioning trust in them. We're allowed to question. That's part of the process. And that's okay. And anybody that tells you different, I'm going to definitely give them the side eye, if not, if not something more. So, verse 10, those who believe in the Son of God have the testimony in their hearts. This is beautiful. I pray that for all of us, that our faith writes the testimony of Christ on our hearts and that our hearts be the wellspring from which our actions flow. May we get out of God's way and allow him to purify our hearts, that love flows cleanly from us, that all the junk and garbage of the woundedness of life that we've lived through be cleared out of the way. Amen. On to our gospel reading. So something that I think is interesting here is um, Luke give us, gives us the placement, right? He says Jesus has le just left the synagogue and he entered Simon's house. So he's healing on the Sabbath again. Uh-oh. And again, that's, that's a message about doing, doing what's right. And following God with faith and love and not following, for lack of a better way to put it, the letter of the law, right? Then it's interesting to me that he rebukes the fever. I really want to dig into that some more. So I'm going to like put a pin in that. You guys go look up, look that up. I'm going to look that up. But I think that's interesting that, that, um, and I think it says in my commentary, yeah, the Greek verb meaning to rebuke occurs repeatedly. Those rebuked by Jesus form a striking lot, demons, a fever, nature, and the disciples. That's very interesting. I think there's a deep meaning there. I, I'd like to dig into that. Let's look that up. Okay, so then um, it's Sabbath, right? So, so the sun sets, so it's, you know, the Sabbath day restrictions are starting to end and everybody comes out. Everybody comes out of the woodwork. Anybody who's sick comes to Jesus and he lays hands on each of them and cures them. And I think it's interesting that it says cures here as opposed to healed. Now that, now that I'm on the healing team, I'm like very interested in healing versus cure and healing can happen without a cure. 
So it's interesting to me here that Jesus chooses to cure. And so I'm curious about, is that the original word? Is there a translation thing here? But again, like, I mean, I could spend all day just researching Bible passages and digging deeper into them. Um, I could, but I also need to live life and live life fully because for me at least, life informs study and prayer and study and prayer inform life and it's all holistically interconnected and cutting myself off from any one aspect of that well-rounded, holistic, fully lived, authentic life cuts the others short as well. For me, at least. Um, then we get to verse 42 and 43. And I'm going to start like halfway through 42. And the crowds were looking for him. And when they reached him, they wanted to prevent him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. Ooh, this is a tough one. I don't, I don't know about you guys, um, because I guess I'm more of an anomaly than I thought with as much as I've moved even before I was military. Um, there are times that God has called me from one place to another and I have resisted and so then he's helped it, helped me. He's given me the push. And it's not always pleasant. Like there was one time that I had a, a supervisor that became incredibly toxic and really abusive. And, and that was the catalyst to leave, leave that position. And uh, that was really unpleasant. But it did help give me the kick in the butt that I needed to go to the next place, so to speak. So one of the prayers that I've got for us is that Jesus grant us your discernment that we know our purpose and we know when it's time to move on with our purpose, whether that be physically to another location or on to another season whatever the forward motion is, humans resist change. Change is hard. Change hurts. So God, may, may we receive your gentle reminders <laughs> and not have to be kicked in the butt. <laughs> Although, in the end, being propelled forward, even if the catalyst is unpleasant at the time, in the end, for God's good, it, it really does get redeemed. When we cooperate with God in the work that he's doing. Amen. Amen, folks. Um, I've got a lot of personal prayers for healing that I want to lift up to God. There's a lot of physical sickness in the circles of my life right now. I need special prayers for redemption of a particular relationship in my life. A familial relationship that um, God has, has put on my heart to accept a request. 
to re-engage. Um, and I'm, I'm very, very thankful. I, I'm thankful for answered prayers of my own that I know God's will and have the courage to follow it. I've had four examples today, both small and large, where, man, the choice came and I hummed like a, like I could feel like my bones harmoniously vibrating like a tuning fork when I encountered the, the choice that the choice of the Holy Spirit and I distinctly felt the disharmoniousness of the other choice and, and I, I took the, the path of the Holy Spirit every time and I'm very thankful because that's huge that's a huge prayer that I've been praying for years now that I may know God's will and follow it and so I'm thankful, thankful for these instances that, that show that that hard work and and lots of prayer and cooperating with God is making progress. That's evolving. I'm very thankful for that. I have some prayers for reconciliation too, and definitely I have some prayers for peace, and I have some prayers for freedom, and I pray that all who are embattled are rescued, that God sends Send out the spiritual guardians to scoop up those that need rescue, God. Amen. That's what I've got on my mind today. Um, maybe one more thing. I realized that my passion was getting kind of twisted. And by passion, I mean like my energy and enthusiasm and care and consideration. So I've got a lot going on at work. And I lost sleep over a couple of work-related things last night. I woke up at 2.44 in the morning and couldn't get back to sleep. And I, um, I had a great conversation with my boss where I was like, Boss, I need your help with this. And that was huge for me because that was vulnerable and I generally don't show any vulnerability in my workplace and my boss was very receptive and insisted that I leave a little early today and come in a little late tomorrow um, and in case you're wondering I did record half of morning prayer this morning and I'm finally finishing it up this evening at home. So sorry about the time, timing being a little wonky and getting posted late, but didn't want it to go unposted. Um, so I've got prayers for that too, that I, I would be able to find harmony and balance. I don't want to not care but I don't want to drive myself to a heart attack either. So I need some help with uh, really doing a good job and then 
leaving the good job there. I put forth my best effort, it's out of my hands, sleeping well at night, among other things, taking care of myself. I have not been, can't tell you the last time I like took a real lunch, went to the gym. This is really bad. You guys know I like, I need at least one workout every day for my health, holistic health. So God, I come into cooperation with you to work this out. I know that I can't schedule myself into health, so I pray for your help. Amen. All right, folks, that's all I've got. I hope that I got out of the way of the Holy Spirit enough for you to receive something of value today. I appreciate you being here with me and raising your voice along with the voices of all the saints and angels in heaven and Julian of Norwich and all the others. And I think we should go ahead and close up. The General Thanksgiving on page 101 of the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, your unworthy servants, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all for your immeasurable love and the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And we pray, give us such an awareness of your mercies with truly thankful hearts we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips, but in our lives. By giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days, through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory throughout all ages. Amen. Almighty God, you have given us grace at this time with one accord to make our common supplication to you. And you have promised through your well-beloved Son that when two or three are gathered together in his name, you will be in the midst of them. Fulfill now, O Lord, our desires and petitions as may be best for us, granting us in this world knowledge of your truth and in the age to come life everlasting. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Glory to God, whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to him from generation to generation in the church, and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. We live without fear, for our Creator has made us holy, has always protected us, and loves us as a good mother loves her children. We go now in peace to follow the good road, and may God's blessing be with us always. Amen.